Welcome. This is Better Edge, a Northwestern medicine podcast for physicians. I'm Melanie Cole, and today we're discussing ALS and the latest research. Joining me is Dr. Robert Kalb. He's the director of the Les Turner ALS Center, chief of neuromuscular disease in the Department of Neurology, and a Les Turner professor of neurology at Northwestern Medicine. Dr. Kalb, it's a pleasure to have you join us today. Speak a little bit about ALS. What are some of the current treatments available to patients now as compared to 20 years ago? ALS, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, was recognized about 150 years ago by a famous French neurologist named Charcot. And the disease presents with weakness, and it's slowly progressive. And it's typically in a middle-aged individual. Men and women are equally affected. The most prominent feature is the slowly progressive weakness. And when a neurologist examines a patient and comes to the conclusion that a person has ALS, that diagnosis is often made by excluding a series of other Uh, diseases that might look the same. And also, there's a very characteristic pattern of physical findings in ALS. Over the uh, past 40 years, we have discovered that a significant percentage of ALS is due to a mutation in a single gene. And we understand the genetic basis of familial ALS Uh, reasonably well. I'd say we we know most of the genes that are involved. These are single genes that carry a mutation that causes familial ALS. And then based on those genetic insights, we have ideas about what might be going wrong in the disease. And this helps us to devise new therapies and to test therapies. Currently, there are two different medications that have been approved by the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA. One is a tablet called Riluzol. It's taken once in the morning and once at the end of the day. It's definitely proven to have a beneficial effect in slowing the disease. And more recently, a new medication called Radicava has become available. It is an infusion. It's given for uh, daily for two weeks, and then there's a two-week rest period, and then two weeks back on. It, too, has been shown to uh, slow the progression of the disease. That said, both Riliazole and Radicava have a, re- a relatively modest effect on the disease. They are, they are disease-modifying, they slow the disease, but the uh, prolongation of life is typically in the range of a few more months. So we still have a very large task ahead of us to discover new and more powerful medicines that can really bend the arc of disease. Well, thank you for that explanation. Dr. Kalb, you have nearly 30 years of NIH funding and 100 peer-reviewed publications under your belt. Speak briefly for us about your research using genetically engineered mice and other disease models. How are these findings helping us to understand ALS and develop new therapies to treat it? When there's familial disease, when it runs in a family, we know a fair amount of the genes, when mutated, can cause familial ALS. Based on that information, we've been able to build models that permit us to study the underlying disease process. So uh, models have been made in mice that express the mutant gene, or they've been expressed in fruit flies, they've been expressed in baker's yeast, they've been expressed in um, a little worm called C. elegans. And these platforms allow us to find out what's going wrong in those worms or flies or mice 
and then test ideas. One of the things that we see at autopsy in individuals who have succumbed to ALS is a buildup of misfolded proteins. Normally, cells are very efficient at identifying proteins that are damaged, basically destroying them using a specialized machinery. And in ALS, we find that cells have accumulated garbage, essentially, misfolded proteins that have not been properly degraded. And that dovetails with some of the genetic causes of disease because the mutations in genes that are involved in protein degradation have been found to cause ALS. So uh, much of my lab has been studying how cells identify misfolded proteins, how they target them for destruction, why that system goes awry as individuals age, and are there new therapies or new ways to intervene to stimulate the destruction of those misfolded aggregated proteins. And we think, and we're not the only lab, I mean, there are many labs across the country and the world that are interested in a similar problem. We think that if we could stimulate the process of recognition and degradation of misfolded proteins, that this would have a general beneficial effect, that, that any person with ALS, whether they had familial disease or sporadic disease, would benefit from such an intervention. And let me also mention that this accumulation of misfolded proteins problem is actually common to all neurodegenerative diseases that's prominently seen in Alzheimer's disease, in Parkinson's disease, in Huntington's disease. So this is a recurrent theme that we see in neurodegeneration. And um, there's a a, a lot of interest in the field in many, many labs, including mine, on on the, the general problem of recognition and degradation of misfolded proteins. That's absolutely fascinating, Dr. Kalb. And I was reading some of that research. So interesting and promising as well. Northwestern Medicine recently hosted the annual Les Turner Symposium on ALS and neuro-repair, where you gave a presentation on the importance of membrane trafficking and how that process is disrupted in ALS. Tell us a little bit about that in the symposium. This was a symposium that was put together by Dr. Hande Osdenler. She's done this for many years. She's a member of the Les Turner Center, and her lab has been quite successful and has been a recipient of support from the Les Turner Foundation for many years. In this uh, symposium that Dr. Osdenler organized, we had a few labs from Northwestern uh, that included Evangelos Kiskinis as well as my own, and also some uh, individuals from sister institutions that have uh, strong neurodegenerative disease programs. Chris Donnelly was here, and uh, Uday Pandey. And unfortunately, we wanted uh, Eva Feldman from University of Michigan to come, but the weather was not uh, accommodating. These were all different labs that used different approaches to get at the underlying pathological process. So Dr. Pandey from University of Pittsburgh uses fruit flies. He's interested in misfolded proteins and also how trauma can uh, seem to accelerate the disease process. Uh, Chris Donnelly, who's also at the University of Pittsburgh, um, studies why proteins um, stick together. Sometimes proteins will line up like spoons in a drawer and uh, 
this may be a precursor to aggregation. He has a very powerful system for studying that. Dr. Kiskinis uses human cells that have been reprogrammed to become motor neurons in a dish. It's a very powerful technology. He studies cells from patients that have been, um, through the magic of molecular biology, uh, turned into human motor neurons. It's an incredibly powerful platform. Dr. Osnuller is interested in upper motor neurons. So the, there's a motor neuron that's connected to muscle, and that one degenerates in neurodegenerative disease. But there's also a command neuron in the brain that instructs the lower motor neuron what to do. Dr. Ostlinder's work uh, focuses on the upper motor neurons. And so I, I think that we each have our own particular perspective uh, on what the key elements are. It, and it's not unlike having the elephant in the room and a bunch of blind men. Everybody seems to have an idea of one particular part, but getting the whole picture together is, is really the, the, the difficulty that we've been struggling with over the decades of research that have, we've engaged in. And I, th- I think we're getting a better idea of the bigger picture, but it's not from a lack of trying. It's just a, a tricky and difficult problem. But I, I'm, I'm always an optimist that, that we can find a solution. Well, I'm certainly sure you can as well. The Northwestern Medicine Les Turner ALS Center offers multidisciplinary care to patients with ALS. Tell us a little bit more about the center, Dr. Calvin, how this care model helps to improve the quality of life for patients, and how do you see, while you're telling us that, how do you see some of your research translating to patient care? The Les Turner Foundation is a charity that raises money in the Chicagoland area to support the Les Turner Foundation, as well as to provide home services for patients. So the Les Turner Center is the clinic and support for basic science research at Northwestern. We have a a very long experience here at Northwestern in the uh, diagnosis and management of individuals who have ALS. This Les Turner-supported clinic has been in existence for for almost 40 years. It's called the Lois Insolia ALS Clinic, and the lead physician is a doctor named uh, Senda Driss. She and I see a very large number of uh, ALS, newly diagnosed ALS patients, as well as follow-up patients. Uh, in addition, uh, Dr. Robert Suffitt and Tipu Sadiq, Dr. Sadiq, have also been important components of the clinic for many years. It's a multidisciplinary clinic, which means that after the neurologists see a patient and make a diagnosis and um, discuss the, what, what the disease is about, we encourage our patients to also be seen by pulmonary doctors and occupational therapists and speech therapists and nutritionists. And we feel that by coordinating the care of our patients with many, many disciplines, we provide a a better quality of life. And we think that our patients actually will live longer. And there are no clinics in the Chicagoland area that have this multidisciplinary approach, but there are a few across the country, and uh, we are part of a consortium with them that allows us to enter into large clinical trials. So along with the program at Harvard and Johns Hopkins, we are in a position to offer our patients not only multidisciplinary care, but also to enable them to participate in large clinical trials 
that hopefully will lead to um, new advances in, in the therapy. In addition to uh, the clinic, the Les Turner Center also supports Basic Science Research Lab. It's supported the labs of Dr. Sadiq and Dr. Kiskinis and Dr. Osdenler, uh, Dr. Deng, myself, for many, many years. And together, uh, the basic science research that's been done here is the platform from which we are trying to develop new therapies to bring into the clinic. We're very interested in a number of different technologies, and we partner with several different pharmaceutical companies to identify compounds that can be administered to patients with the hope that they will slow down disease. And so what, what we hope is that by supporting both basic science research and a robust clinic that we can put together uh, various types of knowledge, the clinical knowledge and the basic science knowledge, for new and more effective therapies. What a fascinating topic, and your work is so interesting. Dr. Kalbis, we wrap up, and you're telling us a little bit about what's next in ALS research. Let other providers know whether we all have a reason to be optimistic about the future of ALS treatment. It's been in the media lately. We saw it all around in the news for a little while. Kind of give us a summary as we conclude and let other providers know what you would like them to know about referral to the Les Turner Center at Northwestern Medicine. I think that the familial forms of the disease, I think that form of ALS will be the first that will be successfully treated. There are a number of pharmaceutical companies that have focused on very specific types of interventions, one of which is called antisense technology, antisense oligonucleotide technology. These are drugs that are administered by a spinal tap intrathecally, but they directly target the mutant protein. And I think that these will definitely be the first types of ALS that will be successfully treated. And I think that going forward, we will learn more and more targets to go for, not just the mutant gene that causes familial ALS, but more difficult problem of sporadic ALS. What, what, do we, what are we going to attack? And I think that antisense oligotechnology may be the way to go, or it may just be a stepping stone to other types of intervention. I think that you know we really have a unique set of physicians and scientists here at Northwestern with enormous amounts of expertise. And we are very comfortable in the diagnosis and management of ALS. We provide a lot of different services. And I think that our patients appreciate the accumulated knowledge that has, that has been amassed in our clinic. And if there is a patient in the community that has ALS, and they are interested and willing to come to our clinic, I would definitely encourage them to do so. I understand that this can be a, a chore to get into downtown Chicago, but I think that the payoff is that uh, we bring special expertise and knowledge that we hope will translate into more powerful and effective uh, therapies right now and also in the future. And passion, too, Dr. Kalb. I can hear that when you speak. So thank you so much for joining us. And that concludes this episode of Better Edge, a Northwestern medicine podcast for physicians. To refer your patient or for more information on the latest advances in medicine, please visit our website at nm.org to get connected with one of our providers. 
please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other Northwestern Medicine podcasts. I'm Melanie Cole.